Welcome to this episode of the Dads Making Difference podcast. Today, I'm having a conversation with Jessica Spear. I knew that today's conversation with Jessica was a must-have. As a dad of a middle school girl, I know that she faces complexities every day that she goes to school. Complexities that as a father, I might not always feel prepared to navigate. Well, Jessica is an expert in this area. She is an award-winning author of books for kids and teens. She has several books, but today we're going to dive into some of her teachings from two of her books. The phone book, Stay Safe, Be Smart, and Make the World Better with the Powerful Device in Your Hand. We know our youth are getting into devices earlier, so I dive into some questions with Jessica about when is too soon to have a kid with a phone? When do we navigate social media? And how do we as parents navigate conversations with our kids about friendships, which she goes over in her BFF or NRF, not really friends, book for middle school girls. I'm excited about this conversation. If you have middle schoolers, you've been through this before, you're going to appreciate Jessica's insight as we dive into the complexities of raising kids in middle school. This episode of the Dad's Making Difference podcast with Jessica Spear starts right now. You are listening to the Dads Making a Difference podcast, the number one podcast for men driven to live a life of significance. Men who want to make a difference in the lives of their families, in their business, and in the world around them. My name is Cam Hall, founder of Fight the Dabot and leader of the Dads Making a Difference Mastermind. Thank you so much for spending time with me today. Now, let's dive in. Jessica, welcome to the Dads Making a Difference podcast. Great to see you this morning. Thanks so much, Cam. I'm excited to chat with you and to be here with your audience. Well, I appreciate you being here. Dad's making a difference. Often guys in our audience are thinking, hey, we're only going to interview dads. But over the last several months, I found it so valuable to bring in another perspective and to bring in experts in multiple walks of life who can speak to us as fathers to help us be better dads, and maybe grow individually in areas that we might not be aware of. So I thank you for being here to talk about your expertise, which selfishly, I'm very excited about because I have an 11-year-old daughter who's just about 12. And so we'll get into more about your work. But Jessica, why don't you tell our audience and share with us a little bit about yourself and what got you into the work that you're in? Sure. Well, my name is Jessica Spear. And Right now, I'm actually writing books for this middle grade age group, so anywhere from 8 to 12 or 13, because it's such a fascinating time of change for kids. And and what got me into this work is, one, I've got a background in social sciences, so that's my master's, and I've always been fascinated with relationships. So what really kickstarted me to this age group was also my kids. Um, So when they got to this age, I've got two daughters, when they got to, you know, these upper elementary and then definitely middle school, I know noticed that things got more complicated. Life got complicated. Relationships got complicated. You know, their their levels of confidence changed. So I really wanted to dive into that and know more about that. So that grew into some research, which grew into actually a friendship program that I ran for all kids, not just girls. Um, And then that grew into, I've got three books now that are all related to this age group. I love that because it's come out of practice. Like you were in the trenches, you were in the midst of it. And I need to learn more about this. And I know that many of the guys listening to this, myself included, are in that period of time where they might have kids in that middle school age. And I don't know middle school age where it is there for here. It's about 11 to 14 years old. 
I'll, I'll tell you a little bit. I taught middle school for seven and a half years back starting in 2007. And I got to tell you, Navy SEALs teach middle school. Like they are so different from the beginning of the year to the end. And I want to hear from you. Why is it so uh, important to acknowledge maybe some of the friendship building and the struggles our kids face during that period of time? You know, because this is a time where kids do actually really need a lot of our support. They always need our love and support and acceptance. But this is a huge time of change for them. So the more that we are grounded in that and we know kind of this phase that they're going through, we can stay grounded too. You know, and so the more grounded we are, the more likely we are to connect with them, to feel like a safe person that they could come to when they're struggling. So yeah, I usually start there with parents, you know, talking about what is happening with them developmentally because you know once we really dive into that it makes a lot of sense why there might be some turmoil in their social lives why maybe their confidence dips you know why there's all these changes going on so so i don't know maybe do you want to start there cam should we just talk about Absolute, that just to kind of open absolutely. that up Let, let's start there because i think that's the ground floor like what do we need to be aware of what are the keys right now that maybe we need to you know, acknowledge as parents that our kids are going through yeah, and, and this relates to, you know, boys and girls. Um, so girls tend to start these changes a little bit earlier just because, you know, they start puberty, puberty about two years earlier. But somewhere around the end of elementary school or maybe the very beginning of middle school, kids hit this important developmental phase where they're actually in this middle grade phase where they're no longer kids, but they're not really young adults and they're transitioning into that new stage. So, you know, when they're younger, their friendships are really based on play and proximity. You know, that's that's who their friends are, the, the people they connect with and they play with. And then this change starts to happen where they start to pull away a little bit from their families and put a little more importance on their peers for who they are. Um, so so these, these friendships starts to have more, more importance. They start to be made, placed more on shared interests than this play in proximity. So now they're looking for connection with, you know, kids that maybe like the same things or that are doing the same things. They're also, it's really important for them to feel like they're fitting in. Mm -hmm. So because again, they're, they're, continuing this process of individuating from us as parents. So they really want to fit in. That's why they're, we can see them really like maybe latching onto groups or a friend. Um, and they're also exploring their identity because they're changing. They're like, hey, I used to really love this, but now I'm finding I really love this. And maybe my friend doesn't love that and that either anymore. So, so it makes sense that there's a lot of changes going on. And I love to quote this one study that came out of UCLA. They followed 6,000 students from 26 schools in their first year of middle school and two-thirds of them end up changing up their friendships yeah. and a lot of it is is this this big transitions that, that's going on not to mention physical transitions mm -hmm. intellectual transitions that they're going through for, through that period of time um you speak about nine friendship truths and i I look at these and I think about where my daughter's name is Maya, right? Like, look where she is right now. And I'm trying to navigate conversation with her about her friendships. Like, so she's reaching out. Do you want to get together? Do you not? Oh, she wants to go to the pool with me, but she doesn't want to go or with somebody else. It's just, I'm wading into a whole new world right now. What are some things that we need to know or friendship truths for our kids? 
one of the friendship truths um, that I found was really helpful to kids when I was running this friendship program is that friendships have different phases change over time. So just acknowledging that that's normal, because sometimes kids can feel like if there's a big change up in their friendship, that maybe there's something wrong with them or there's something wrong with this other person. But we know as adults, there's just natural changes over the course of our lives and see you know, for our friendships too. And for kids, often they might grow out of a friendship, but then later they might reconnect. So I encourage, you know, you know, kids and families to talk about, you know, maybe this friendship isn't a fit right now because your friendship is a two-way street. You know, you both need to be interested in cultivating this friendship. Um, but that's not the end of the story. We never know, you know, what's going to happen later. Say, so stay open to those changes. Amazing. As you were raising your girls and they're going through this period of time, what were some of the things as a parent that you might have been questioning, struggling through that influenced your work and that we can be aware of as dads, as moms moving forward? Things kind of like that. I was there. Don't do this. Or I was there. Do this. Yes. Okay. So one thing that I learned was not helpful at all was getting way too involved in you know, like the nitty gritty of what was happening you know so so once I got in there and I was well well who said this and who said that and I'm trying to actually navigate what happened that was a lot less helpful to my daughters than me actually staying really grounded helping them process their emotions in healthy ways you know because often what our kids need is just to share and be heard and process all this complex stuff that they're feeling. And that might be it. That might be all that I need to do. Nothing more than that, just to really hear them, help them recognize, you know, what they're feeling, what that felt like in their body. And maybe if they want to brainstorm with if they're going to do something, you know, I can be there too for that, for helping them a sounding board for that. But often it's just that first part, just grounding, listening, helping them identify and navigate those emotions that they're, they're experiencing. You've mentioned grounding or being grounded several times already. What does it look like as an adult raising a child? What does it look like to be grounded? So when you're talking about making sure you're grounded and grounding myself before this conversation, how do we do that? And it might not even be before the conversation. It might yeah. be just as this conversation is happening. So Fair. here's here's yeah. a hypothetical. You know, your son or daughter walks in and they are just upset. And, you know, they and, and so as parents, we feel that we feel that and they might start sharing something that really upsets us. So what I try to notice in myself is if I because of what they shared, or even this big emotion that they're experiencing, if that sends me off on my own emotional roller coaster, I'm no longer present to sit by them through their emotions. So here's what I do. Here's my little trick, you know, so it, cause this all, this happens to all of us, even with our partners in life, you know, so they come in, there's, there's really big emotions. There's something they're sharing and then boom, we're off. So when I notice that, that, oh, here I go, you know, I just, I just stepped on the roller coaster. I, I actually like physically try to ground myself. First, I take a deep breath and then I feel my feet on the floor. You know, I, I have to get myself back in to this moment as calm as I can. And then I put my focus back on my child. Like, okay, tell me more. 
oh my gosh, I'm so sorry that happened. You know, what did that feel like? So, so that was just a, like kind of in the, in the moment example yeah. of how I do that, because it, it happens a lot, you know, as, as a close knit family, we're going to feel those emotions of our kids and we might have our own experiences that trigger something in ourselves and then off we go. And then we're no longer present. And our kids know that our kids yeah. know that when we're triggered and we go off and then, then we're not really there for them. Um, and then the worst case scenario is, you know, as they get older, they stop coming to us because they don't want to have that effect on us. Yeah. They don't want to come to you and just you make it about yourself. You know, yes. when you it don't take it personally, navigate that conversation with that youth and help guide them through it. And it's, often it's just asking questions. I I love what you're sharing because still I'm a vice principal of a high school and there's a lot of times a youth will come into my office and just be off the handle <laughs> now. And I know it's not about me. And so mm -hmm. just calmness, openness, say, tell me more about that. That's my favorite. Tell me more about that. Yeah. Yeah. No. And yeah. And if you want to get like really big picture, you know, that student that walked into your office, you know, they're in a state of dysregulation. So their nervous system is off in fight, flight or freeze mode. So you know, we just have to recognize that, that this is a, a dysregulated young human. So we have such an opportunity as adults to stay regulated, yeah. because if we can stay regulated, th they're going to feel that. And that's called yep. co-regulation. So by us staying regulated, we're helping them learn to regulate. And what a gift, you know, what a gift for young people to learn how to regulate tough emotions and, and tough, you know, reactions to things. Yeah. What a privilege we have, right? To model and to navigate that with them. Hey guys, I wanted to take a moment and talk about our community of DMD brothers in the DMD mastermind. We are men who help each other to stay focused and intentional in our pursuits of personal, professional, physical, financial, emotional, and spiritual growth. We are a community of men who bring courage, wisdom, and transparency to unfiltered conversations that challenge us to be more impactful men. To be dads making a difference. We do this through our online and in-person events where men come together to speak into each other's lives and then turn around and do the deep work to create change in their families, in their businesses, and in the community around them. If you are wondering if this community might be right for you, you can find more information on the DMD Mastermind, and you can also book a call directly with me at dmdmastermind.com. Now, let's get back to our show. I have something I want to just bring up and I want your opinion on it because I often will hear from parents. Um, they're just not listening to me. I don't understand when I was in school or when I had friendships, this is what it was like. And I try to explain because I've seen change in education even over the last 17 years. It's not like it was when we were young. It is so different. What are some of the ways that we can acknowledge that life right now is different for a 13, 14, 15-year-old than it was even 10 years ago? Oh, it's so different. It's even different for eight, nine, and 10-year-olds. And, and a lot of it has to do with how connected they are and these yeah. devices. 
So, you know, when we were young, we could go to school and, you know, maybe we had a tough day and then we go home and it's over. You know, we get to what? Turn on the TV or whatever we do, play Atari, um, go play baseball. These days, you know, know, kids are so connected that sometimes when school is ending, it's just beginning. You know, the the connection and the text and the, you know, the social media, it's just beginning. So they don't have the downtime that we had. They don't have the, um, you know, the privilege of learning about the party after the party happened. You know, they, yeah, they actually might see the, the party as it's happening in the moment that they weren't invited to. So I feel like it's, it is a lot more intense um, for them to navigate this. And it's complicated, you know, face-to-face communications complicated. Now, once we switch that to an online platform, that makes it even more complicated. So they're having to navigate, what did they mean by that text? Or, or what was that post about? Or, or how am I supposed to navigate this conflict in the format of this, you know, this social media platform? So it is, it's way more complicated. So we as parents can acknowledge that. Yeah. Don't pretend that we know. Don't relate it to, you know, our youth. Because, but, but we can come at it with a place of curiosity and really, really try to understand from our kids and teens what it is like today. You know, and again, I always start with empathy. Like, oh my gosh, that sounds really hard. You know, t- yeah. tell me more about that. How do you navigate that? What do you do there? You know, so I just trying to understand. You know, staying grounded. There's that word again, and really trying to understand, um, so they can they can share with you what what they're what they're experiencing. Yeah, it's complex. I I had something shared with me that was absolutely fascinating that I wasn't aware of. I think back to back in when we were young, or even when I first started in education, mid two thousands, and it was like social interactions in the hallway, looks people would give. Now, a youth shared with me just a, a week and a half ago about the significance of the camera angle in which a picture is taken, how much of your face is in the photo or not. And it's a social status of, oh, if you're getting this type of photo from this person, it puts you at this status. But if you get their full face, it puts you at this. I'm just like blown away by this. Mm-hmm. And, yes. and so I'm, I'm starting to think now, you know, as our kids are more connected than ever, which I think is also really cool that they have opportunities to connect, but it's also very, very dangerous. And so right now I have an 11, almost 12 year old daughter who wants her own phone. She does not have her own phone. We've had a lot of conversations about this. She has access to an extra phone in the home, uh, but that's like the family. We don't have house phones, landlines anymore, but that's like the house phone. What you have this book, the new book, the phone book. And what is important for us to realize as we start to navigate the use of devices in the implementation of a phone into raising our kids? Oh, and yeah, you're right. It's so complicated. Just, yeah. just what you said, like, you know, if someone's they're in Snapchat, a lot of kids, you know, that's their primary communication is Snapchat. Right. If they, if they snap the wall, you know, that could be an insult in some places, but in some places yeah. it might not. So there's a whole new way of communicating in language that we don't understand as adults. So, he, so what inspired me to write the phone book is realizing we are at the very beginning of how to navigate this whole change in the way that we are as humans, you know, if you if you look at how we interact, and you know, these days, you know, preteens are spending five plus hours a day outside of school on devices. Teens are up to over eight hours. So this has fundamentally changed, you know, childhood today. As as we know, as parents too, we're spending a lot of time on devices. So so I wanted to write that book to really help 
put some awareness and guidelines in place um, to help kids and families navigate these phones because because there's a lot to it. So so to back to your question, how do we begin? What's yeah. challenging is once you get to middle school, the you know the the phone use really skyrockets. You know you're yeah. probably seeing it. You know that yes. it depends on community, depends on school to school, but in some places, you know everybody's got a phone by sixth or seventh grade. And that's a really challenging place for, you know, preteens to be because that's how kids are connecting. So, so what I encourage parents to do is, you know, three things. One, think about your child, you know, you know, how, how is their self-control? You know, what, what are they sensitive to? You know, are they ultra sensitive to, you know, comments from people online or photos of themselves or being left out. So, so just notice kind of their sensitivities and their vulnerabilities and, and think about their readiness for this, this experience. Then think about what they're actually going to be doing on this phone. You don't have to just hand them the smartphone. You could start much smaller than that. And kids hate that because they know the difference between, you know, we're going to call it a dumb phone versus a smartphone that has access to everything. But, you know, do you want to start there or do you want to start much smaller, you know, that with one of those simple watches or um, maybe a phone that doesn't have social media on it. Um, So think about where you're starting. And then the most important thing is think about what are the guidelines at home? And there's really great um, you know, family tech guides, guidelines online available. And I encourage people to just search that, find one that fits your family and, mm-hmm. and set some rules. You know, where are the spaces at home where phones are not allowed? You know, and maybe they're not allowed to have them in their room at night. And maybe they're not allowed to be on social media until age 13. And you know, so think about where are you starting with this? And that, that tech guideline for your family is a living document so what you put in place when they're 11 is not going to work when they're 16 you know so so but by having it there and sticking to it then revisiting it as they grow as they mature so that you know it's appropriate for your now 17 18 year old you know because there's going to be changes there you know as they earn and show the responsibility you're going to pull back a little bit maybe they're going to get on some more you know apps so thinking through this really carefully rather than just handing over the phone yeah I appreciate that. I I think about the powerful device that these kids have in their hand and the doors that it opens, but not all doors are healthy doors. (laughs) And and I see that so often uh, in my experience, in my line of work that, you know, as a dad, I have to be very conscious of not being overprotective of my kids saying like, I don't want my kid to go through that, but also understanding. I also don't want to isolate and alienate my kids from the culture in which they are growing up. And so I'm very conscious of this. Honestly, I'm battling with that right now. How soon is too soon? How do we do this? I love your idea of like seeking out the tech resource for families. Um, In your experience, you ask middle schoolers, <laughs> you have a question. You ask middle schoolers to share the trickiest things that they encounter. Mm-hmm. What did they share with you? Well, and since we're on that topic, social media is one of them. It's it's yeah. kind of a love-hate thing. They love the fact that they can get instant feedback because at this age, you know, they do want validation from their peers. 
but it's also really hard. It makes them, you know, feel like if they don't get as many likes, you know, that, that feels really bad. Or if they see something, you know, that they wish they hadn't seen that their friends are doing. So it is a love-hate thing. So, so students definitely mentioned social media. Um, so I tread really carefully there. You know, I, I do wish there were more guidelines in place for parents. And here's my sense after doing a lot of research on the phone book, we're in the wild, wild west right now. And so there has been, you know, for years, there's been some work at the, you know, the national level to try to put more safeguards and guidelines in place, but we just can't get them out the door. Now, Europe is doing much more than we are. In fact, you know, so phones in schools and and things, you know, to protect kids is much farther along in Europe, but we're just not there yet in this country to protect kids. You know, the, just this last May, the Surgeon General came out with his advi- mental health advisory for kids and social media. And he feels really strongly that, you know, 13 might not even be early enough. But, but what's challenging for parents is if that's a primary communication channel and yours, your child is the only one not on it, that also has implications. So I think the conversations at home are so important. So, you know, what, what, what I like to do with my kids, I don't know if you've heard of the films, The Social Dilemma, Cam, yeah. but we watched that as a family, you know, and talked about that because it is important for, for kids and teens to understand the business model of tech, you know, which is advertising and yep. to keep our eyes on screens. So I think kids need to know, you know, why these algorithms work this way, how data collection and privacy is working, how advertising. So, so they know that, you know, these beautiful tools are so perfectly designed that we're all staring at them all the time. So, so it takes a lot of self-control and power to, to use them mindfully, to use them in positive ways. But the more we talk about it as a family, we can really create some awareness with our kids there. But I went off on a tangent. That was one thing that students mentioned, but um, another thing that middle schoolers mentioned was, um, you know, in quotes, popularity. Are you hearing that from your daughter, the popularity thing? A, a little bit, not as much yet. Um, I, cause she, she, they're just figuring it out right now. They're yeah. still the little kids in middle school, but yeah. she's starting to see it in the grade seven and the grade eights. That's what she's starting to see. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so this interesting thing happens in middle school in, in terms of popularity. And there's actually been research on this. So, you know, again, talking about what we we talked about earlier, this is a really important time to fit in. And kids start to notice that some kids are higher status or maybe have more power, you know, and they might start naming them the popular kids. In middle school, popularity kind of falls into two different types of behavior. So some kids are they're in quotes popular because they're really pro-social. Maybe they're really confident and they're good leaders and people admire them. You know, they they're the 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 leaders that we aspire to be. And then in middle school, there's this other type of popularity that I'm gonna call status, because that's what they call it in the research, status-based popularity. And this type of popularity is those that um, people fear a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe they're nice sometimes, they're mean sometimes, maybe socially aggressive, there may be some you know antisocial behaviors there. So so students might be more fearful of this set of popular kids. So when I talk to students about that, I think it's really important for them to just dissect the term popularity and think about, you know, what are the qualities that 
inspire you? You know, what are the traits that are traits that you'd love to cultivate in yourself? Um, so they, they can navigate that scene a little more easily because it, it gets really confusing for kids in middle school where this, you know, this one set of status type of popularity seems to hold a lot of power, but that doesn't seem to make sense. And by the end of high school, that tends to, you know, float away. Yeah. But in middle school, it does peak um, and then it settles out in, by the end of high school. As you're sharing, I just can't help but think about going back to what you said about being grounded as a parent when you encounter these interactions with your kids. It might be elevated, but the importance of having conversations at home in advance of helping your child understand who they are and ask them more about their world, like connect with them, connect with them. Tell me more about that. Tell me about your world. Tell me about what's going on at school right now. I just want to learn. Yeah, um, and, we can, and we can drop in little, you know, not not tons of advice, but we as parents can drop in little nuggets of wisdom along the way, short, brief. And so yes, another sure. one of the friendship <laughs> truths is our healthiest friendships feel safe and accepting. So that's, I love to share that too. Just so when we're talking with our kids, help them notice which of your friendships feel really safe and accepting. And, and those are hard to find. So, so acknowledge that, that especially in middle school and high school, it might be hard to find the friendships that feel really safe and accepting. Um, but when you find those, notice those, because those are really special friendships. Yeah. Celebrate them. And, yep. And, celebrate them. But don't encourage them because then the kids will push back on them. I just, <laughs> I, I see some kids in my daughter's life who are very, I, I believe that they're healthy kids. Like they're good connections. And anytime I'm like, well, you're bored. Why don't you call so-and-so? Why don't you get together? Why do you always want me to hang out with them? I'm like, whoa, whoa, because I just don't want, you know, it's like this yes. teetering back and forth. Of, I have no agenda here, but in the back of my head, I'm like, I have an agenda. I want you to be around good, healthy people. Yeah, yes, so. I love that. Yeah, so it's like you you, know, you can like share your wisdom, but don't get into the nitty gritty again, you know? So, yes. so just you're sharing, notice the friendships that feel really safe and accepting stop there you know like as right, soon as we yeah. start like as soon as we start matchmaking you know they're out the door they're like uh-uh you know yeah. they're, they're, you, you said there's an agenda there i'm not doing this um so yeah it's 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 like pe playing chess a little bit it you is. Know? <laughs> I, I described it to my kim my wife last night she's like oh, i just don't understand like why we had we navigated something with our daughter yesterday i'm like okay here's something that i've learned you can go deep with surface level questions with a kid you just kind of got to Jedi mind trick them a little bit that they're coming up with their own answers, right? Yeah. And so you kind of guide them along the way. And I think that's modeling too. It's modeling a conversation, being open back and forth, not making it about you. Um, yeah. But sometimes, yeah, you got to trick them a little bit. You got to use those Jedi mind tricks and and get that uh, that response where they're thinking through the process. So yeah, I, I appreciate exactly. your insight. I appreciate your insight. Um, Jessica, I, I love this conversation. I wish we had more time to dive in, but you have so much amazing work out there. Uh, but what's next for you? What is what is one thing that you're excited about right now? Maybe you're leaning into uh, that you're working on. You know, I am actually working on another book, um, again, for this age group, because I love this age group. Um, and it actually goes deep into mindfulness, which okay. I know is, you know, the big buzzword in the adult world. But I feel like, you know, with kids and devices and so many distractions that we all, you know, at all ages need to be working on mindfulness. So, so yeah, I'm diving into that. Um, and I used to teach that um, in schools as well with, with kids. I'm kind of tapping back into that. 
that and, and would love to write a book that kids actually read that dives into this topic. So we'll see. That's that's what's, hap- that's what's happening this year. We'll see yeah. if it, it makes it out the door, but that's what I'm working on. Excellent. Much needed. No, I can't wait. That, that sounds fantastic. Just the conversation we just had and knowing what I've seen in the last several years, I think mindfulness is a great topic. I can't wait for that to come out. Um, Jessica, if somebody wants to connect with you, wants to learn more about you or about your books, you have several books, not just the phone book. Uh, where can they do that? easiest place is my website, which is jessicaspear.com. And Spear is S-P-E-E-R. And that has links off to all my socials. I do a lot of posting about these sort of topics, you know, how to stay connected with your, your kids and teens. Uh, I've got a free monthly e-newsletter that you can sign up for on my website. And it's got links off to my books and where they're sold. Um, so yeah, feel free to reach out and, and send questions via my website too. I'd love to connect on, on specific questions. Amazing. Jessica, thank you so much for taking time out of your day and away from your family to be here and uh, to help us navigate this complex scenario with our kids. Appreciate you. My pleasure. And thank you for the work you're doing and all the awesome dads out there. I love that there's this community um, because what an amazing chance for dads to come together, but then also learn how to really connect with their kids as, as we're all learning every day. Thank you so much. If you want to connect with Jessica, we'll make sure Jessica's contact information is all in the show notes. Until next time, be a dad making a difference. Thank you for joining me today on this episode of the Dads Making a Difference podcast. I hope you found value in today's show. And if it made a positive impact on you, please share it with someone you know, leave a five-star review and subscribe so you don't miss out on upcoming episodes. And if you are a father listening to this right now, who is driven to build a life of significance, to truly make a difference in the life of your family, in your business, and in the community around you, go to dmdmastermind.com to learn more about the Dads Making a Difference Mastermind. A mastermind group for fathers that provides men with the skills, the connections, the accountability, the proven steps, and the brotherhood to truly become a dad making a difference. I'm Cam Hall. Thank you for spending time with me today, and I will see you on the next episode of the DMD Podcast.